You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Welcome to Grace Church. It is wonderful to be with you today. I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online uh, in the venue or, or in Olathe in the auditorium. We're so glad that you're here today. My name is Russell uh, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. I also have uh, the privilege of leading our Grace students as well. We just came off of a fantastic middle school camp at Camp Table Rock, which is a, which is a blast. Uh, I have a couple questions for you as we get started today. Uh, so what comes to your mind uh, when you think about the best barbecue in Kansas City? What comes to your mind? I'm sure there's probably a location. Um, this has probably caused some family division uh, about where you're going to eat after lunch or after church today. Um, but, you know, is it is it the, the old school barbecue places like the Gateses and the Arthur Bryants and the LCs? Uh, is it that it's really, it's, it's not about a place, it's about a letter, and it starts with the letter Z, and ends with the letter man, uh, Z-man? Is it, uh, is it that you're a little nuanced? That, you know what, those old school places, they're pretty good, but there's, there's a different, you know, the 21st century has lent itself to a better version of barbecue, and you discovered something called Q39, and you will never, ever go back. I don't know. Uh... What, what about this? What comes to your mind when you think about uh, this logo right here? Now, some of you, some of you, uh, some of you can't help but think you have to just yell belligerently, "Rock Like oh, something inside of you, it's like instilled in you as a as a baby. Uh, it, it also. Uh, it also could just be like there's like breakfast that just is trying to come up right now because you just feel so bad and gross. You know, for some of you, it's just pure joy and excitement. You think about the good times when you went to college there or just watching uh, championships. Other times it could just be utter frustration. And how could anyone like something like that? And for some of you, you're like, why? Why is there a cartoon bird on the screen? Like, like it's just a. Like, are we, is this a Sesame Street about to happen here? Uh, I don't know. What about this? Uh, what comes to your mind uh, when you think about the 4th of July? When you think about uh, tradition, maybe? Is it is it grilling, fireworks, family? Is it uh, being near a body of water, maybe a lake? Uh, maybe as long as it's hot uh, and, and you're with family, it's all, uh, A-OK. I don't know. What about this one? Uh, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Like what's one of the first, what are the first few thoughts that come to your mind uh, when you think about God? Maybe you have more of a traditionalist view where you begin to think about and list his attributes like he's good, he's great, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and all of these things. And maybe it's a question like, uh, why is life like this right now? Why did this happen? Why does it seem like evil is winning sometimes? Uh, or maybe it's disappointment. Like you feel like that you've disappointed God, that you've disappointed Him, maybe you've let Him down, or maybe you feel like He's let you down. Maybe it's a disappointment, maybe it's a memory. For me, the first memory uh, that, I, that I can actually remember uh, of God is driving in a Chevy S10 navy blue truck on the way to my grandparents' house, this windy road uh, on, in Lithonia, Georgia, uh, 
And I remember it was the first time I believed in Jesus. I surrendered my heart to him, believed that Jesus died, that he rose again so that I could be in relationship with God. Uh, I remember that moment. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he's a Christian author, he says this, he says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, he may be right, but I do believe this. I believe that, that when we have the right understanding about who God is, then we have the right understanding of who we are, uh, which helps us have a right understanding of why we are here and how we're supposed to impact the world. And that when we have the wrong understanding of who God is, then we have the wrong understanding of who we are, and it causes us to have the wrong understanding of how we're called to impact the world around us. So what comes to your mind? Uh, we're beginning a new series. It's called From the Heart. We're going to be exploring uh, these psalms, these happy psalms, or these psalms that are all about praise and worship. The book of Psalms is in the center of our Bible. Uh, if you literally open to the center, you'll most likely will be in the book of Psalms. Uh, it's made up of 150 psalms. Uh, some of them are sad, some of them are joyful. It's written by several authors over a long period of time. Many of them we attribute to King David. Uh, but as we look at the Psalms today, uh, we're, we're talking about these Psalms of praise. And before we begin talking about uh, how we praise, the different methodologies of praising, or what our praise should look like, we need to look and answer this question of who are we praising? Like, who is the one that deserves our affection, our praise, and our worship? Who is it? We have to know who we are praising before we can talk about how we are praising. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is who is this one that we praise. And, and ultimately, I believe that we are praising God. And so we're going to answer this question is who truly is God? So would you pray with me as we jump in today? So Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that you would move in this place. I pray that you uh, would give us a clear picture of who you are, that we would walk out of here, whether we've walked with you a long time or have no clue uh, anything about you. God, I pray that we would walk out of this room having a better understanding of who the God of the Bible is. We have an understanding of who uh, we believe, I believe, to be the one true God is, God, who you are. And so, God, would you make that clear to us today? Would you move uh, in our midst? Would you show us and highlight the places where we may have gotten it wrong? Uh, and uh, that you would lead us to more truth and knowledge and understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we dive into truly who God is, I do want to look at this question of who God is not. Who God is not. I remember a, a speaker coming to the church that I went to growing up, and uh, he came in and he acted out these different characters uh, that, were, that we believe God to be like, but he was not. And I'm going to share a few of them with you. Uh, one of them was that God is not Santa. Like, God is not Santa Claus. He is not some jolly, overweight guy in heaven waiting to reward you based on you being naughty or nice. Like, that is not God. God is not a cop. God is not a cop. He is not, he's not hiding behind every corner uh, waiting to catch you, hiding behind every bush, so that any time that you do something wrong, he can write you a ticket to tell you that you did something wrong. He is not waiting to do that. I knew that you were going to do that. I got you. That is not God. God is not a cop. God is not a waiter. Like, God isn't here just to serve and to take every single order. Oh, you want this and this? Okay, yes, you need that and extra this. Okay, and not that. Oh, make sure you don't get that. 
and then he, he's, not, he's not your server to take your orders and then to bring it to you. And that our response to him doing a good job of waiting us is by responding to, to him by tipping him in praise. That is, not, that is not the God that we serve. God is not a waiter. He's not a puppet master. God is not a... That's a creepy picture, by the way. <laughs> that's real. That's real creepy. God is not a puppet master. He's not like a... He's not up in heaven... Uh, like a child playing with his toys and his action figures. Though he is in control, he's given us this will and this responsibility to choose to follow him. So I tell you these because could it be, could it be that we have the wrong idea about God in our heads? Like when we, when we picture God in our minds, maybe we have the wrong picture. Maybe, maybe we've gotten it wrong. And I'm not saying we've gotten it fully wrong, but I'm saying that maybe sometimes we resort back to these lies that we believe about God and they're hindering the way that we worship Him. They're hindering the way that we view ourselves and they're hindering the way that we live for God in this world and impact this world around us. And I believe today that maybe God wants to take those things and at least for us to get them right today. To maybe change the way that we think about him so that we can tr- worship him for truly who he is. So we're going to be in Psalm 145 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 145. Or if you have um, your smartphone or your tablet, you can turn there uh, as well. Psalm 145 is written by King David. Uh, and it is, it is called to be, it's a psalm of praise, but it's called to be by some his crown jewel of praise. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, I just know that in this book or in this, this, this one psalm, this, po- this Hebrew poetry, there is somewhere between 20 to 25 attributes of God that are listed in uh, this, this poem right here to God, this, this worship song to God. And he is praising God for all of these different things. Now, we're not going to go at these one by one. We don't want to be here until 2 o'clock today. That wouldn't be very much fun. Uh, and it opens like this. It says this, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Verse 2 says, every day I will bless your name, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Now David opens this psalm highlighting this everlasting praise of God. Like he's welcoming this notion that as people who live, as human beings, that our responsibility is to worship God with everything, like this everlasting worship, this worship with Him all the time, because God is an everlasting God, and it shouldn't be dependent on which what day of the week it is. It shouldn't be dependent on the quality of our day. It's that we should worship God uh, all day, every day, because He is an everlasting God, and we should worship Him for truly who He is. And at the bottom of the line, this is this this is just the the, the simple idea: is that God is ultimately worthy of our praise. Like God is ultimately worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise regardless of how my day is, my thoughts, my feelings, and my experiences. There is a reality to who God is that makes him worthy of our praise independent of my thoughts of him. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't praise him, something else will. It could be the heavens, it could be creation, it could be other people. But if you don't praise him, something else will because he is worthy of our praise. So what, what about God that makes him worthy of our praise? We're going to talk about four of those today. I've grouped these 20 to 25 attributes into these four. I probably missed some, but it starts like this. We praise God because he is great. We praise God because he 
is great. When I think about great, the greatness of God, the first thing I think about is the, the size, the magnitude, that he is mighty, that he is bigger, that God is bigger than our enemies, that he's bigger than our worries, he's bigger than our troubles. He truly is bigger. Verse 3 says this, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. David uses this language, greatness is unsearchable. Like we could search all day long for God. We could search in the greatness of God all day long. That's great, that's great, that's great, that's great. And we would still find more greatness because it is unsearchable. God's greatness cannot be measured. There's not a yardstick for the the greatness of God. There's not a measuring cup for the greatness of God. God's greatness can't be measured. Like we can measure greatness here on earth. Like in sports, like athletes, we measure greatness uh, by stats and championships and medals. In business, we, we measure greatness by bottom lines and goals being met and employee satisfaction. In and, and, and school, we measure greatness by GPA, by scholarships, by awards. In social media, we measure greatness by followers and likes. But for God, there truly are no measurements. There are no borders to God's greatness. There are no borders to God's greatness. My senior pastor uh, growing up, his name was Buddy Hoffman. And Buddy was, he was not the tallest guy. He might have been right at my shoulder. And, uh, and he, he, he did some weird stuff when I was growing up. But one of the, the strangest things that I thought is he would just start clapping in the middle of his sermon. He'd just start clapping. And he would start telling stories about, like, he would be, like, either at a quiet time or the ocean, and he would just see a sunrise, and he would just start clapping at God. Like, God, that was great. That was amazing. You did that. You did that. You did that for me so that I was here and I could see the colors that you painted on the sky. That was great, God. That was amazing. And he would also do it when he would see, when he would hear stories of people that were being set free from something or that God would come through and do some miraculous things in marriages or in families or in jobs and situations. And he would just applaud, like mid-sermon, just start applauding all the time. Wow, God. Wow, God. That was amazing. That was you. That was you, God, you did it. You were the one that did it. You were the one that did it. Wow. 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 And as, as, as I was growing up in my young 20s, I was like, that's just weird, man. Like, who would do that? That's embarrassing. Like, we're in public here. Why, why are you clapping? Dude's on the beach just clapping for God. Yeah, let's go. But, but the point is, like, when's the last time you were wowed by the greatness of God? Like, that you clapped. Like, you couldn't help but clap, right? I'm watching the World Cup. I don't even care about soccer and I'm clapping, right? But like the greatness of God is so good. Like when God comes through that you can't help but give him the praise and him the glory and him the respect that he deserves and the honor that he deserves. That wow, When was the last time that you were wowed by God? Like you were just overwhelmed by God and his greatness. And maybe you have been overwhelmed, but maybe you have forgotten to praise. Maybe you've forgotten to say, God, you're good. God, you're great. You did amazing things. Yes, God. Yes, God. When was the last time you were wowed by the greatness of God? Verse 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And when was the last time you were wowed so much that, that fathers went home and told your kids about, wow, God, did you know what you, you know what God did today? You know what God did today? You told your spouse, hey, you know what God did today in my life? You told your parents, hey, you know what God did today? God, wow, God, wow, God, wow. When was the last time 
that you were wowed by God, that you couldn't help but share it with your family, with your friends, with your kids, with your spouse, with everyone. Wow. When was the last time you were wowed by God's greatness? So we praise God because he, was, he is great. And we praise God because he is good. We praise God because he is good. Verse 7 says this. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness. And they shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. You remember this phrase, God is good? All the time? Yeah, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. The, there's, a, there's a goodness of God that you and I can enjoy, that we can tap into, that we can enjoy. And not only that we can enjoy His goodness, but that He's created us to reflect His goodness into this world. And that we, we can show His goodness by the way that we live our lives. So David highlights that God is righteous, right? That's a very churchy word. Like it's, for me, it's a very hard word to truly define because... Uh, not that it's difficult to define, it's just it's, it's hard to define without using the word right in it. Like God does the right thing all the time. We were talking about this in sermon review. And um, one guy said that, you know, God is pure in heart, mind, and motive in everything that he does. Like God is pure in heart, mind, and motive in everything that he does. He is just in heart, mind, and motive in everything he does. He is right in heart, mind, and motive in everything that he does. He always does what is right. You know, and there's some of you, like when you see things that are wrong with this world, like they're unjust in this world, like they're people that are hungry, they're people that are in slavery, they're people that are hurting and broken. There's something inside of you that just is ruined because you want it to be right and God shares that quality with you. He's actually given you that quality. You share that quality with God. And, 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 and we as people, when we see things that are wrong, that we are called to be righteous like God's goodness, that he is righteous. And we are called to, to take the things that are unjust and make them just again. We're taking things that are broken and make them new. We're taking things that are not right and to make them right again. But God is righteous and he does that today on this earth. And he ultimately will make all of creation right again. He, not only that, is he's gracious, that he continues to offer gifts that we don't deserve. He's compassionate, like God cares about you. Like you might be in here today, you might be hurting, you might be broken. We, I, I don't know your situation. The person next to you doesn't know your situation, but God cares and hurts alongside of you. I think about when Lazarus dies and Mary and Martha are crying, that Jesus comes, shortest verse in the Bible, and Jesus what? weeps. He weeps. He weeps with them. Jesus is compassionate to you. He's slow to anger. Thank God he's slow to anger. You know how many times I screw up? If God wasn't slow to anger, I'd be dead. You know what I mean? If God wasn't slow to anger, I would be dead. There would be no hope for me. Because I keep screwing up over and over again, but yet he is slow to anger. And if you believe that God is that traffic cop, he's hiding behind every corner. He's going, got you! If you believe that about God, if you truly believe that about God, you need to know this, that God is slow to anger. That he is slow to anger. Romans 5.8 says that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was in our sin that Christ died for us. Not when we were right again. It was when we were still far from him, Christ died for us. Uh, Romans 2 talks about how the kindness of God is what draws us to repentance. Not his anger, not his wrath. It's the kindness of God. And we need to know that God is slow to anger. He's giving us time because he wants us to respond to his love and his grace and his mercy that he's offered through his son Jesus. 
and he's merciful. He offers mercy and salvation to us, something that we absolutely don't deserve, and not just in an eternal sense through the blood of Jesus, but he offer, offers us mercies, new mercies, every single morning. Every single morning. Do you need the mercies of God this morning? Did you need, did you need to wake up this morning? Hey, I need new mercies every day. I need, I need Jesus, I, God, I need you to be merciful with me today. Every single, every hour, every moment, every, every second, I need your mercies every single day. We praise God because he is good. We praise God also because he reigns. We praise God also because he reigns. Verse 11 says this, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts. Verse 13, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. God is king and God reigns. He is sitting on the throne of heaven and he is ruling from eternity past to eternity future. God reigns. God reigns. And I believe um, he, he, he ultimately is reigning, but I also believe inside our own hearts and minds, uh, there's not a literal throne, but I believe that there is a figurative throne of our hearts and minds. Like each of us, there's a throne of our hearts and something sits on it. Uh, one worship leader said that worship is the outward expression of what is at the center of your heart. And uh, I, would, I would tweak that just a touch and say that worship is the outward expression of what is at the, uh, what, what sits on the throne of your heart. Like what right now is sitting on the throne of your heart and your mind? What right now is sitting on the throne of your heart and your mind? Because God is ultimately sitting on the heavenly throne, and he can sit on the throne of your own heart as well. But what is sitting on it currently? Have we dethroned God? Have you dethroned God from sitting on the throne of your own heart? Have you dethroned God and you put your kids there, your money there, your marriage there, your job there, your, your, your future there, your worries there, your fears there, your struggles there? I don't know. What, what, have you dethroned the living God and, and put something else there? Have you put yourself on the throne and say, I am king. I'm going to wear the crown. I'm going to rule my own life. It is my way. I'm going to do what I want whenever I want to. I am king. Have you dethroned the living God? You know, maybe today we need to have a coup against ourselves. Maybe today we need to have a coup against ourselves and let the rightful king sit on the throne to take back the throne of our hearts so that he is ultimately ruling in heaven, but also he can also rule over us too. We can say, Lord, you are king. I surrender to you. You rule my life. You deserve all the praise. You rule. You can have control. Maybe that's what we need to do today. Another encouraging part about God reigning is this, is that sometimes life's just hard. Like life just gets bad. Has life ever been hard for you? Has life ever been bad for you? Has it ever seemed like hope is lost to you? Like it just seems like evil is winning and that nothing else will fix it and all. And in the midst of these, we can praise God because he is in control. You know the song, uh, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole. Oh, sweet. You actually sang with me. Yes. <sighs> Future worship leader right here. Uh, but you know, uh, that, song, that, that song, sometimes that's, that's the only thing you can hold on to. 
like that, that he is in control, like he truly has the whole world in his hands, like it's gotten so bad that it just seems like everything is awful and you just, you just need to know, like there's nothing, there's no more hope. And the thing that you can hope in is that one is that God truly is in control. And the second thing you can hope in is that Jesus will return one day and he will make this world new again. And like when life gets too hard, you can look to the heavens, you can praise God because ultimately he has the world in his hands and he will come again. He will make it right again. And sometimes that's all we can do some days. Sometimes that's all we can do some days. And we have to rest in his control and praise him that he, he's reigning and he's controlling. And we have to get off sometimes the throne of our heart so we can let him reign. So we praise God because he reigns. And the last one is this. We praise God because he is present. He is present. You ever have a friend that wasn't present in a conversation with you before? You ever have a spouse that wasn't present in a conversation with you before? It's not appropriate to elbow anyone uh, currently. <laughs> it's frustrating, isn't it? It's incredibly frustrating. I had a friend growing up, one of my best friends, still one of my best friends to this day, and I could tell you every time that he was paying attention to me on the phone or not, or any time that he was doing something else. Uh, it's pretty simple. There's a few requirements. One, if they responded in an, any type of normal English way uh, to what I was saying, I knew that he was paying attention. Uh, and if he asked questions, clarifying questions, it seemed like he was actively listening. If he wasn't, I would hear, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, and a few other random noises along the way. <laughs> and, um, but it's frustrating, right? Like, we, we desire, when people are talking to us, we desire for people to be present in our lives. Like, we, we desire, like, if you need someone to listen to you, we desire to be present in our lives. And if we're not careful... If we're not careful, sometimes we can think that God might be too busy or too far away to hear or to be present with us. Like that he's just like one of us. And let's be honest, we've all done that to somebody before. But like sometimes we can, we can fall into the trap that we think that God is too busy or too, or, or too far away to be present with us. And we have to be careful because it's, I think sometimes it's really simple for us to get our minds at least to the conceptual idea that God is big and he's great and mighty. But it's really hard for a lot of us to, to realize that God is near, close, and present in our lives. And as, as equally as we praise him for being big and great and mighty, we need to praise him for being present, near, and close in every situation. Verse 14 it says, the Lord upholds all who fall and raise up all who are bowed. Hey, listen, if you're falling, God's going to reach out his hand to hold you up. If you bow down, God's going to lift you up. He'll raise you up. The eye, verse 15, the eyes of all who looked expectingly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing that God, hey, guess what? God is close enough. He knows what you need, and he's going to provide. He's a provisioner for you. Not only that, he's going to satisfy the desires of your heart as well. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call. He's near uh, to all who call on him, to all who call upon him in truth. Like God is present in your life and he encourages you. He invites you to call him to be close. Like he invites you to call him to be close, to be, to be near to you. He hears you. Verse 19, he will, he will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. And ultimately God will save you. And he hears your words. He hears your prayers. He, hears your, he sees your tears. He cries and, and he hears you crying out for him. And ultimately, God will save you eternally. The scriptures say, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, if you don't know God today, if you don't know Jesus today, cry out to, to Jesus to save you. And guess what? He will. He will. But also, it's, it's situationally as well. 
Like we sometimes, when we put something else on the throne of our hearts, we get into some bad situations. Like disobedience to God leads to some bad situations, to brokenness, to hurt, to shame. And guess what? God hasn't left us there either, and he will rescue us. Call out to him in those places as well. He's not waiting for you to find, for you to find your own way back. He wants to guide you back as well. He will rescue him. He hears your prayers. Cry out to him today. You know, I bet if you looked at every acceptance letter or speech uh, from any major accomplishment, from an MVP speech uh, to, uh, to a Hall of Fame speech to a Nobel Prize to a graduation speech, Oscars, whatever, theater awards, Tony Awards, whatever else it might be, there's always someone as they're thanking someone else. There's always someone there, right? There's always someone there. There was a mom, a coach, a dad, a grandparent, a teacher, a friend that was rooting for them, that was challenging them, that even when they wanted to quit, they said, hey, you're not quitting. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it along the way. I think sometimes with God, we just think he's not there. Like, where is the place in your life that you believe that God can't be there? Like right now, where is the place in your life where you think, like, God wouldn't show up there. Like, God doesn't care about that. God can't be there. Like, there's no way that God could be there in my brokenness. There's no way that God could be there in my disobedience. There's no way that God could be there in my marriage, in my finances. We're about to lose our house. God can't be there. About to lose my marriage. My kid is run off. God can't be there. But where's the place where you think God can't be there? Earlier this year, in February, uh, my wife Cassidy uh, began to experience uh, some intense anxiety and uh, also began to experience uh, daily panic attacks. Um, and they, they, I mean, they, were, they would come uh, like the sun every day. And, um, and it was, it's, been a hard, it's been a hard go at it for a while. It's gotten a lot better the last month. Um, praise God for that. But, um, but, you know, February to May has been pretty tough. And, um, and it's amazing just to watch her still like pursue Jesus throughout all of it. And I come, I came home one day and, um, she wanted to share this, this phrase that was found in, uh, Psalm 139. And, uh, it's this, this, this line, even there. And uh, Psalm 139 is a pretty famous, uh, psalm. And it says this, where can I go from your spirit? It says, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Even there. Even there. And in this dark place, in this hard place, uh, one of the things that encouraged her, that sustained her through it all was this idea that even there, like even in her panic attack, even there God is with her. Like even in her anxiety, God is with her. Even there, God is with her. And I would invite you to remember and to believe the promise and praise God that he is present, that even there, it doesn't matter how far away you run, even there, he's there. It doesn't matter how messed up you think you are, even there, he's there. It doesn't matter how broken your marriage, your family, whatever it is, even there, he's there. And he invites us earlier in Psalm 19, says, call on him he hears your cry and he will save you. He will rescue you because that's what he does. He makes things right even there. We praise God because he is present. 
So David ends the psalm, uh, verse 21, he says, My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his name forever and ever. And he's given us this clear picture of who God is, that he's great, that he's good, that, that, that he reigns, and that he's present, right? I want to encourage you today is, uh, maybe today we have a clear picture of God. Maybe, maybe we, there's been some things that we've gotten wrong and that, that God wanted to, 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 to set right. Maybe we've known all of this all along, but we've forgotten to praise Him along the most. Maybe we've forgotten to be wowed by God. Maybe we've forgotten to share in His goodness in this world. Maybe we've forgotten and we've put ourselves on the throne of our hearts. Maybe we're just in such a weak place that we need Him to be King and to reign, and He is. And maybe, you know what? We just need to know that He is near, and even there, He is with you. He is with you. Would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, would you, would you move in this place? God, I pray that we would have a better picture of who you are. Ultimately, God, if there's things about you that we're misunderstanding, I pray that you would correct those in our own hearts and minds and that we would believe the truth about you so that we can be the people that you, uh, the people that you have called us to be so that we can impact the world and so that more people could know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.